H.E. News, episode number five. You're listening to Health Empowerment News with Croft Woodruff. This week, more on drug-induced nutrient depletion, digestion, and malabsorption. Welcome back, everybody, to Health Empowerment News with Croft Woodruff. It's a beautiful day here in Vancouver today in the Vancouver Health Empowerment Studios. How are you doing, Croft? Very well, thank you, uh, Andrew. So last week we talked about drug-induced nutrient depletion, and uh, we went over quite a few drugs. We didn't talk about the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. That's drugs like Prozac, and um, I think is it uh, Zocor? I think is one. There's so many. You know, Z- this is Zoloft. how people get into trouble. Is because they have so many names. Doctors get them all mixed up, and end up by prescribing the wrong drug for the wrong problem, you know, and the, then the patient wonders why they're in trouble. But uh, SSRIs, well, yeah, that's Prozac. There's another brand name called Seraphim. And Fluoxetine uh, is Canadian or another brand name, or else it's a generic. Anyways, uh, yeah, Fluoxetine, hydrochloride. And as an antidepressant, these are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Now, unfortunately, these can cause problems such as hyponatremia, which I think means a sodium deficiency. The problem is, is what these drugs can do is mobilize important uh, vitamins out of the system, like the B vitamins, that are very important for the brain to function properly. And, and that is really what these people who are on antidepressants they should be really on B vitamins, especially uh, niacin, which is vitamin B3, riboflavin, which is B2, and thiamine, which is B1, and also vitamin B6, which is pyridoxin. And people just don't get enough in the diet because of all the refining of food. Some of the B vitamins are sensitive to uh, heat, that is processing from cooking, B6 is very vulnerable, and I always laughed when I heard somebody saying that beef was a good source of uh, vitamin B6, and of course the Beef Council liked that one, but uh, the only problem is it's only if you eat it raw, because once you start roasting and frying and the like, you destroy the vitamin B6. What about beef sashimi, the cured form of beef? Well, that's uh, that. that it's like the uh, native people cure their salmon. Well, there's no heat involved. Mm-hmm. And there will be a certain amount of my vitamin C in the tissues. And so, uh, and of course, they use salt as a rule to help preserve. And so, vitamin loss is minimal by comparison. I mean, after all, uh, Native North Americans were pretty healthy until the white man came along uh, with his white flour and then his white sugar and uh, his hydrogenated seed oils. And that's when things really started to go bad in the last 90 years or so, particularly. With diabetes and... Uh... Yeah, diabetes is epidemic among the, uh, the native reserves, as is cardiovascular disease. 
as well as mental health problems. And all of these can be traced to uh, vitamin deficiencies, really. But, you know, uh, uh, doctors will uh, say, well, you know, um, you don't need to be taking any vitamins, uh, supplements. You know, you're eating a, a, a good diet, but they really and rarely analyze what the patient's diet is to really get it down to the nuts and bolts of are they really getting all that they need from the, the diet they're on. And anyways, there is a corticosteroid, for instance, the topical application for, uh, for arthritic and rheumatic pain. Okay, uh, this is what this particular one does. Takes out calcium, folic acid, potassium, magnesium, selenium, vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc. So uh, you give somebody to give them relief, but you're also setting them up for more problems and deficiencies. And this is a book that every physician should have on hand. And before reaching for a prescription pad, they should actually uh, reach for this book. And it's called Drug-Induced Nutrient Depletion Handbook, second uh, edition. And it's put out by Lexicomp's Clinical Reference Diary. If you go to Amazon.com, you will find that you can only get used copies. The the last time I looked, it was about $300 for a a copy, which I paid for uh, about, hmm, I guess, around eight years ago. And I I only paid about, I think it was around $15 or $20. Can't quite remember. But that's how valuable the book is now. It's out of print, and used copies are running anywhere from $250 to $300 or even higher. This is what I say doctors should have. These uh, SSRIs are really troublesome because they drive people to, to suicide. And uh, that's what we've seen in all these cases where somebody shot up a, uh, a university square from the clock tower somewhere in Texas several years ago. Two boys went on a rampage in some school somewhere in Colorado. Some kid went on a rampage with a gun somewhere in Oregon. And these things keep cropping up and cropping. It's happening in Canada. And that's what these SSRIs can do, is drive people into insane rages, and, and heaven knows what comes down the pike when they're on that kind of a trip. Interesting. So this book should be next to every physician's? Every physician should have it. And I'll repeat it again. Drug-Induced Nutrient Depletion Handbook. It was put together by four registered pharmacists. One of them was a uh, PhD in pharmacy. And the, it comes from Lexicomp, that's L-E-X-I hyphen C-O-M-P-S, apostrophe S actually, Clinical Reference Library. I'll repeat that, Lexicomp Clinical Reference Library. We were going to talk about uh, also drugs like antacids. Well, that brings us into the second topic, which is malabsorption and digestion. Right. And uh, that's a good segue in because it also has drug-induced nutrient depletion effects as well. Absolutely, simply by inhibiting your ability to absorb your nutrients from your gut. The natural medium of the stomach is hydrochloric acid. You wonder why your stomach can have a pH of... Actually, I've been told by a biochemist, a PhD in biochemistry, to even minus one. I mean, that's highly corrosive. And why isn't this acid eating through our stomach lining? It just shows you how tough the mucus that we make that lines the stomach, and it's impervious to the stomach acid. But, of course, uh, if you 
are not producing enough stomach acid, then you start running in trouble with the food that you're eating because you're not only swallowing the food, you're gulping air, and you're also swallowing uh, spores of fungi and mold, as well as bacteria and viruses. Normally, these organisms will not survive stomach acid. It will just tear the, literally tear them apart. And, of course, that's what the stomach acid is there to do, is to tear your food apart, to tear these complex proteins that we call meat and uh, poultry and fish, tear it apart into its constituent amino acids so that they can be combined with the ionized minerals, which is another thing the hydrochloric acid does, and combine into uh, amino acid and mineral complexes, which are neutral and therefore readily pass the uh, the barrier of the small intestine into the into the bloodstream, where it's taken off through the hepatic duct to the liver to be processed. And the uh, liver is so so important. It's the organ of detoxification. Uh, it protects you. Uh, it will sacrifice itself, in fact, to protect you from from poisons that you might be exposed to either accidentally or, or deliberately. So what happens, of course, when you take an antacid because uh, you're not producing enough stomach acid, so you've got fermentation going on, and it gives you the exactly the same symptoms of hyperacidity, hyper meaning too much acid, when in fact you're suffering from hypo. And now what you've got is fermentation going on, and uh, this irritates. And for the lack of stomach acid, the mucus will actually peel away from the lining of the stomach and leaving the lining exposed to these ferments, which are very irritating and give you the symptoms of a burning sensation. And you think you're getting an ulcer if you haven't already got one. And it's interesting because it's taken about 30 years now for, uh, I guess, some medical schools to recognize that the problem isn't too much stomach acid, but not enough. And this was this was discovered by some Australian physicians, or at least brought to the fore, because old country doctors knew about this 100 years ago when they came across patients with so-called uh, digestion problems. And invariably, uh, they would order up a dilute, I think about a 0.2% uh, solution of hydrochloric acid in water and have them sip it through a glass straw for relief. But, of course, big pharma is making a heck of a lot of money selling everything from Alka-Seltzer to, um, what's this? Uh, the other purple pill. The other purple pill, anyways, uh, which has its own set of problems in terms of drug-induced uh, nutrient depletion. But they all will set you up for, uh, for malnutrition because they are essentially preventing you from digesting. I mean, the one that saves you from indigestion for 24 hours or longer, that's a recipe for disaster. And so, I mean, how do you get the nutrients into your body? It's by way of eating your food. This goes against what a lot of people feel when they, when they have antacid is, mm -hmm. uh, or acid reflux, sorry. Yeah. Is well, if that, if that they is... actually made too much stomach acid, if they were truly making too much stomach acid and they took a, an Alka-Seltzer or, uh, or a bicarbonate of sodium, uh, sodium bicarbonate, for instance, is an antacid, they could actually have the stomach blown up, and that has been on record on at least two occasions that I know of in the last 40 years. Hmm. So uh, be careful of just what you put into your stomach. Your best bet is to uh, perhaps take a, a digestive aid when you have symptoms of indigestion. 
And that could be uh, a product called betaine hydrochloride with uh, hydrochloric acid as the, as the hydrochloride part. It's in a dry form. Uh, but you might have to fool around with uh, maybe two or three or as many as six uh, of these tablets with a glass of water to uh, settle your stomach and get things working right. You can start by taking it in the morning, maybe two or three with breakfast and two or three with lunch and two or three with supper. That's how it can be done. If it's too much, then uh, you'll, you might get a slight burning sensation. So the thing to do is just to drink more water to dilute it. And the other thing, of course, is if you're deficient in stomach acid production, the chances are your pancreas will not be pumping up out enough of the enzymes needed to, uh, to break down your fats, uh, your starches, and your proteins uh, and sugars for proper uh, absorption as well. So it's a good idea to uh, look for a pancreatic enzyme, which you can find in, in knowledgeable pharmacies and certainly uh, your local health food store uh, or a nutrition shop will have products like these uh, to aid. There are things that you can take, uh, such as like the coat, the lining of the stomach. But again, uh, they they also have the the habit of blocking the uptake of, of the nutrients, uh, whatever is there. And by the way, this is also uh, indigestion that is not taken care of if it's blocked with these uh, these acid blockers you will find yourself absorbing things uh, into your bloodstream that you don't need, and the liver gets overloaded, and the next thing you know, you're finding yourself set up for allergies. And the digestion and malabsorption is one of the primary setups for acquiring an allergy to certain foods and, uh, and certain other organic things in the environment. Ulcers and the uh, duodenum, and in the, in the colon, and chronic colitis. And so these are all malabsorption yeah, disorders? Yeah, and these can be set up to, uh, and be caused by bad digestion and malabsorption. It's just the problem is going further down the line from where it started, any of the duodenum or the stomach. And again, uh, there are actually some very uh, simple uh, uh, treatments for relief. Aloe vera juice or gel is very good for giving, getting relief. Going on a fast uh, using distilled water and aloe vera juice, uh, pancreatic uh, or uh, and digestive enzymes can be very helpful too. There is a formula that is available, and at some time down the road, maybe we will make it available. Have to, it's information I think that is valuable, and if people want it, uh, then we'll see what we can do anyway. So set that up. Interesting. So is there any dietary changes that people can make without having to supplement with betaine hydrochloride and things like that? Well, they can go on a a water fast, on a three-day water fast. If there's any uh, inflammation and irritation, they can uh, supplement the fast with aloe vera juice, real uh, good aloe vera juice. It's real juice because... There are some products, uh, you know they're not aloe because they don't have the flavor of aloe. And if necessary, if you've got a good size aloe, you could always squeeze out the gel yourself and use it. Of course, some people say, oh, don't try these at home, folks. These are harmless remedies, and they work. What about the lemon cleanse, the master cleanser? I've okay. actually done that. Actually, a lemon times. juice and, uh, and hot water is, uh, is a good aid for indigestion. Because the lemon juice can have the same uh, 
effect is the hydrochloric acid. Not nearly as potent, but potent enough. The citric acid will uh, help to do the same thing. Certainly kill the fermenting organisms that are causing the gas and the bloating and the frothing and the boil up uh, into the throat. And of course, apple cider vinegar is another one. Apple cider vinegar and and uh, warm water sipped with the meal three times a day. Uh, same thing with lemon juice and hot water sipped with a meal before, during, and after can help to relieve indigestion and uh, help you get over it. And it's cheaper, really, than going out and buying a bunch of tablets, of course. But uh, there are, as I say, some good remedies out there uh, in your natural health shop, as well as uh, in, in the shops of knowledgeable pharmacists. And in choosing a natural health store to purchase your products, what, what kind of advice would you give? Is there can you Certain just brands? Certain brands or, or stores, because you yourself were a proprietor of a store for 35 years. Yes, it? and one of my favorite companies was Natural Factors. They're based in, uh, their plant is based in Coquitlam. And what goes in as raw material comes out as a finished product. And they have strict quality, quality control. And I know this, that when I was counseling people over the years, uh, I was definitely getting results with Natural Factors products. Whether it was the B vitamins, their multivitamins, their minerals, uh, their vitamin C, their vitamin E with a mix of tocopherols, and also their clear base E, which is just pure D-alpha tocopherol, just pure vitamin E, the type that the Shoot Brothers were using in their later years in their clinic. Another company that I, uh, that I think highly of is Trophic. I had the privilege of, of knowing and dealing with the, uh, the founder. His name was... Uh, Sloan Alma Smith, gentleman is now uh, retired, but he's a very principled man, a religious man, and his ethics uh, were reflected uh, in the, his company and the way they did business and the results that they got for uh, people who used their products. Another company is, is Albi Naturals. It used to be Albi Imports, a company that I also knew the founder, another principled man, and uh, it's under new ownership, but I think the standards are still there. And uh, so if you're looking for products, Albi Naturals, at least until uh, the, the new acquisition, uh, they catered to uh, people who are totally vegetarian. Um, and so for people who are very strict about the being of a total vegetarian, uh, it's a company they might want to do business with. And their products are available in in, in, in health food stores pretty well across the country. Albi Naturals, when the new owner took over, they started to come out with a new product every every six months, I believe. They came out with a, a strontium product, uh, a standardized echinacea product, mm-hmm. and uh, and a number of other products as well. So it yeah, looks so, like they're... And of course, uh, th- and that's what I liked about these companies. They were innovative, and because they have their own labs, they do their own testing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Uh, if it comes in the door and the potency isn't there, and if they can't uh, increase the potency by increasing the the, uh, the quantity per um, milligrams per 100 grams, then uh, what they would do is send it back. Mm-hmm. It's simple as that. And and then, of course, as they say, the, uh, the jobber would probably sell it to somebody else with uh, less standards. <laughs> <laughs> 
But that's the way it is. You know, in industry, uh, there are people who uh, believe in quality. They put out a quality product. And, I mean, it's safe to say all you have to do is look at the automobile part mar- market. The ones that are taking away from the losers are the ones that are putting together fir- first-class uh, product uh, that are reliable and re- require fewer, if any, repairs at all and to have a, a longer uh, useful life, uh, you know, as a product. And, and, of course, an automobile is a big investment, but certainly is your personal health. And so you want to put the very best into your body. So that doesn't just include uh, vitamins and minerals and herbals, but also the food that uh, you put into your body, what you prepare, what you put on the dinner or breakfast table. So we talked about manufacturers, some, some good ones. What about actual health food stores? Do you, would you advise being careful on where you shop for your vitamins? Would you buy them at Costco? Would you buy them at Well, only if I know stores? what they're selling. If I, if I don't know the companies that they're if they're not carrying the companies that I like, then of course I won't shop there. And I don't buy on price alone. I do look for value for my money in terms of a, a good price. And uh, certainly in the greater Vancouver, there are uh, many health food stores, and, uh, the, and it's, the competition is very, very close. So uh, if price uh, is, uh, is your concern, uh, then you're going to have to shop around, obviously. But certainly uh, don't sacrifice quality for price, uh, because uh, after all, it, it's your body, and you're the one that will pay the price in bad health if you, if you choose a product that is inferior. And what about if you aren't exactly sure what you should be taking? Where would you go to get that? Like, are there are there certain health food stores that have more knowledgeable staff or more? That is one of the biggest bone of contentions, I think, in the industry. One of the things I would do is ask questions of the staff and see how knowledgeable they are. And certainly wouldn't hurt to uh, pick up a book on health and healing. Linus Pauling published one, and... I can't remember the title offhand, but all you have to do is look up his bibliography of, of you know of what he's written. And one of the very first ones he wrote was Vitamin C and the Common Cold, if I recall, when he discovered the value of vitamin C. Certainly uh, another book that I like is by uh, Dr. Joel Levin. Vitamin C, Infectious Diseases... No, vitamin C, viruses, uh, infections, diseases, and toxins. I think that's it. By, and his last name, or Joe, Joseph Levin, L-E-V-I-N, I think it is. Basically, you, you advise people to take control of their own, basically learn as much as you can yourself. Yes, and uh, ask your doctor, and if he doesn't know, then find a doctor who does. Mm-hmm. Or if she doesn't know, find, okay. find one who does. Because, uh, as I say, you, if you're in, uh, in the doctor's office, in five minutes, there's no way a doctor can truly uh, diagnose and, and give you an answer to whatever problem you may. All I can say, if the physician doesn't ask you, what do you eat, then uh, maybe you should be finding another physician. Because uh, you are what you eat. I don't care what anybody says. You are the sum total of what you eat, what you drink, uh, how well you breathe your air in and exhale, and how well you eliminate what you take in. And because a person who's chronically constipated 
is no better off than uh, if they were on the worst diet as opposed to somebody who's on a good diet and has good elimination. And elimination is also sweating and, and... Perspiration, that's right, as well as urination. And of course, a lot of people think that the major uh, waste removal system is, is, the, is the bowel. But actually, uh, the bowel is just shoving out what you didn't absorb. And there is a certain amount of stuff that's returned to the bowel, mainly fluid to help lubricate and eliminate the stool. It's amazing people don't like talking about this sort of thing, but it's a subject that should be dealt with. The, the kidneys actually are your major organ of elimination. And they not only eliminate what you don't need, but uh, they will recycle what you do need so that you're not wasting anything. The kidneys will conserve. And uh, so the kidneys really need to be looked after. And that's why it's important to make sure that you, do, you know, drink pure water and watch what you take in certain kinds of foods and the like, and, of course, so many other things you look at. But whole foods and stay away from uh, alcohol can be hard on the liver, of course, because that is your major organ of detoxification. The liver has to process everything, and it will sacrifice itself in the process uh, of trying to save your life if you've taken on a poison. And unfortunately, sometimes poisons that are... You know, they can be very toxic in parts per billion, or million, I should say. They can be very toxic in parts per million. They can actually be deadly in parts per billion, as opposed mm-hmm. to parts per million. That, that Agent Orange is a good example of that. And, and some of these other poisons that they let loose in, in Vietnam, for instance, and also in areas like Iraq and uh, in uh, Kosovo and uh, on, in Serbia. So um, things aren't always what they seem to be when it comes to governments and just how forthright they really are when it comes to uh, politics and war. So we're talking about malabsorption and digestion. For digestion, what kind of a diet are we, are we looking at, like a high-fiber diet? Well, a high-fiber diet is to ensure that, uh, that uh, you will have good regularity as far as your bowel is concerned. But the fact is, is that the high-fiber foods like broccoli and cauliflower, sauerkraut or cabbage or uh, uh, Brussels sprouts, anything from the cruciferous family, as well as the carrots and nuts and seeds and whole grains, uh, they all have fiber to a lesser or greater degree. And they are also very rich in minerals, uh, as well as uh, vitamins. And, and that's why you want whole foods. Because when you refine uh, whole wheat into white flour, you take out about 44 to 48 essential vitamins and uh, minerals and most of the fiber. And all, that's you, all you're left with is just basically a starch. And then they, in the milling process, they'll add back maybe uh, B1, vitamin B1, vitamin B2, uh, niacin, maybe vitamin B6 and some iron and have the... Actually, the, the nerve, courtesy of the government, to say that it's enriched flour. <laughs> An old joke that I used to hear from uh, people like some of the doctors that would lecture on nutrition. They would say, well, you know, enriching white flour, you know, in the process of adding, taking out all these nutrients and the fiber, vitamins, minerals, oils, I forgot about that, essential fatty acids and, and the fiber, 
It's like you're going down uh, a side street in Vancouver, suddenly find yourself pulled into an alleyway and you're mugged and the thug has taken your wallet, your watch, and maybe your car keys and made you take all your clothes off, except they hand you back your shorts and say, there, you've been enriched. There you go. (laughs) Anyways, when it comes to uh, AIDS 2 digestion, and particularly uh, if you have problems with infection, one of my favorite anti-infective is oil of oregano. You'll find that you can apply it topically. You can put it under the tongue, and it will have quite a positive effect on, on dealing with, uh, with a sore throat, with a cold sore, with a mouth ulcer, topically on, a, on an abrasion or, or an infection on the skin or an insect bite. I find it's, uh, it's just to be the healthy tip for this session. Oil of oregano. Uh, some people like tea tree oil, but I've found that I, I prefer the oil of oregano over the tea tree oil. And of course, the essential herbals, essential oils from Besides oregano is rosemary and thyme and garlic and mint, peppermint. All of these are are very good. You mentioned that the malabsorption of nutrients can cause allergies. Yes, because uh, if you're not breaking the food down properly in the stomach, then improperly or incomplete digestion of, uh, uh, of proteins particularly, they can get through the uh, barrier of the, uh, the lining of the s- small intestine and get into the bloodstream and uh, head off for the liver. And the liver can be overloaded uh, trying to deal with these things or it somehow can set up an immune response. And one of the biggest triggers, by the way, of juvenile onset diabetes happens to be milk. According to uh, some researchers... It seems that the uh, the pancreas, particularly the insulin-producing cells, the, the islets of Langerhans, in protein makeup is very similar to milk protein, cow's milk protein, and can actually bring on juvenile insulin-dependent diabetes. And is that an autoimmune disorder? It is an autoimmune disorder. That What happens, of course, is that because of bad digestion uh, or the, the child is not digesting the milk, maybe weaned too soon from mother's milk. You see, that's probably one of the key things right there. Infants, in my estimation, they should be, they should be uh, nursed as long as possible. As long as the mother is making milk, she should try and nurse that child because it helps to form a good jawline and for the teeth to properly come down and g- give a good set of upper and lower maxillary, the dentists call it. Hmm. As far as the uh, a good dentition is concerned, less chance of uh, deformity where the teeth are coming in crooked. And just simply by breastfeeding the infant as long as possible. And you know, that's one rise. We, we, you, you'll notice that particularly with people of color, uh, people from uh, the Latin America regions, uh, Africa, and, uh, and in Asia, because they nurse their infants far, far longer than we so-called uh, modern uh, North Americans and, uh, and Europeans do. And, and, and then you see what happens is a narrow jawline, 
and the teeth are so crowded together that they, they come in crooked. And uh, no wonder there's dentists make money, of course, uh, correcting all this, but it need not be. And this is just a basic fundamental uh, that um, nursing the child as long as possible ensures good dental health and proper formation of, uh, of the teeth and the jawbone, upper and lower. The other thing is that getting back to the milk, the milk, as I say, uh, gets into the gut, leaky gut syndrome from the gut into the uh, bloodstream. The immune system is turned on and the immune system attacks the milk protein. It hasn't been digested properly, so it's attacked. Body's trying to deal with it, get rid of it. But once it's gone, then the immune system, having been turned on, turns around and starts attacking the insulin-producing cells because they are of similar protein. As far as I can tell, this isn't all that well-known among the medical profession. And, of course, the dairy industry doesn't like to hear this. You know, to think that the milk of human kindness is actually setting you up for a, for a very serious metabolic disease. And is it pasteurized milk or, or milk Pasteurized milk uh, is probably an even worse culprit than, than raw milk. And, of course, we're always here about the dangers of raw milk. But the funny thing is, is when, when I was about, mm, I guess, 12 years old, we moved from an industrial town to a rural area, and we lived right next door to an old Dukabur lady. We called her Granny. And she was, she was probably in her 70s for all I know, but she was really, her face was just like leather, you know, and wrinkles and a nice disposition, and she had this Jersey cow. And we, got, we bought her milk from her. It wasn't pasteurized. And, uh, and, of course, she wasn't the only one in that valley that where we were living that had, that had a dairy cow. And, and I think there were some people who had goats, too. But the bottom line is, is that she wasn't pasteurizing the milk. And I could remember going over and get some milk, and she's ladling out, and there's a bloody fly floating around in the, in the, in the milk barrel, you know. <laughs> However, I later find out that raw milk is loaded with antibodies. It will attack disease germs. So mm-hmm. something that the fly might have had with it probably was taken care of. I know that immunologists would be absolutely horrified about to hear that, but a fact is a fact, and uh, certainly um, I know this too. I have uh, I have a uh, an aunt. In fact, it was my mother's youngest sister. She's still alive, but she's only three years the, the, the sister. I mean, my aunt three years older than I am. My grandparents, when my grandmother uh, gave birth to my aunt, my my aunt for some reason couldn't nurse wouldn't nurse, and, and she couldn't take cow's milk either. And so my grandparents, they went and got some goats. And she was raised on goat milk. And she's still alive and kicking, so... And that's a long, long time ago. That goes back to uh, the uh, middle 1930s. Do you believe that there's a link between other autoimmune disorders? And, and leaky gut and, syndrome? Yeah. Yes, Absolutely. I think that's one of the major, if not the main cause of, of allergies, is uh, bad digestion and malabsorption, leaky gut syndrome. And the unfortunate part of it is, is that these vaccines are setting the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, uh, the uh, diphtheria, the pertussis, and tetanus vaccine is also setting 
some children up for leaky gut, uh, or um, yeah, it's actually a leaky gut syndrome, a malabsorption problem, because um, and they f- they have found, and this is a study that's was done uh, in the United Kingdom, and I think it's been repeated not too long ago in the United States, where they find the uh, the strain of measles virus that was in the vaccine in still in the gut of the child that's got the problem, either uh, as allergies or as autism. And of course, uh, diarrhea seems to be a kind of a part of parcel of this. What about psoriasis? That is, uh, is actually, it's, a, it's also uh, an autoimmune disease in a way, but some of the skin cells are growing a bit faster than others and flaking off. That can be remedied, I think, because it's actually an essential fatty acid deficiency, not getting enough of the omega-3 essential fatty acids. And so people who have psoriasis should be taking flax seed oil, olive oil. They should not use the seed oils fried, any seed oil from... Sunflower, safflower, soybean, cottonseed, corn oil, any of the peanut oil, any of these oils, they should not be heated beyond 350 degrees Fahrenheit because the heat alters the oil and makes them toxic. And it does destroy the essential fatty acids if they haven't already been refined out of the oil, which is often the case anyway. And the other problem is the hydrogenation which artificially saturates the oils and makes what essentially is a plastic fat that the body really doesn't know what to do with. And, and so, eczema as well, is that? Yeah, eczema is another condition that could respond to essential fatty acid therapy. And, you know, getting away from uh, deep f- fried foods, particularly foods fried in vegetable oils. It doesn't seem to be so much of a problem, but most of the fast food restaurants have been changing over to vegetable oils, getting away from lard or, or beef fat. And, of course, these oils actually are, are relatively harmless, and they don't uh, plug you up. It's the hydrogenated oils and the rancid oils caused by high-temperature frying, and I'm talking about the vegetable oils that are high-temperature frying that uh, actually causes you to have an imbalance of bad cholesterol over good cholesterol. So it was the the lard and the the beef tallow was actually better? No problem. Well, let's face it, you go to countries like uh, Belgium and Holland and Denmark. These are dairying countries. They they use, I mean, they raise raise pork and, uh, and beef. And they use beef tallow and they use pork fat. And they use an awful lot of butter. And, and cheese, and they don't have the heart disease rate that North Americans have, not by far. So it's lifestyle so, and it's the decision, uninformed decision to switch to these vegetable oils. That's right. Well, of course, coconut oil and, and the palm kernel oil, if you can get it, but you better read labels because they can actually modify these oils. And I think modified uh, means, in the case of coconut or palm kernel oil, Modified actually is a euphemism for hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated so that it guarantees that the oil will be solid at set room temperature, 72 degrees Fahrenheit. So the bottom line is is that uh, you don't want an oil that is uh, processed.
and don't want an oil that hasn't been part of the seed, isn't part of your diet, like cottonseed. Cottonseed, you made a joke about that. Well, yeah, since it was cotton a part of our diet, that uh, we have cottonseed oil to, to boil all our, uh, you know, fries in or put into our baked goods. You don't, I don't see you eating a shirt. No, you don't. <laughs> and, uh, although uh, some people maintain that some of these cereals are not nearly as nutritious as the box they came in. There you go. <laughs> okay, so I think that, unless you can think of anything else for malabsorption. And- Again, uh, is uh, to acidify the stomach. As they say with lemon juice and hot water, you can stay, say about a quarter of a lemon uh, into a, uh, you know, an eight ounce cup of hot water and sip that before uh, or during after or after the meal, depending on how your indigestion is hitting you. Or apple cider vinegar, you know, a, a, a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in about eight ounces of, of uh, warm water, and you sip that down. Some people say, oh, well, cut it with some honey. I say forget about the honey, just take it like it is. I mean, uh, it's no big deal. You can dilute it a little more if it's a little too strong, but this will help to settle the stomach. I've seen many, many people respond to that, and it's a very inexpensive way of, of settling the stomach and getting your digestion going again. And the other thing is, you know, we go to bed at night because we uh, had a meal maybe a few hours earlier, and the chances are it hasn't fully been digested or been fully digested. And some people, of course, wake up, wake up in the middle of the night with a fire down below, and they have to try and put it out. Others manage to get through the night, but when they wake up in the morning, they're not hungry. So the chances are they will go without breakfast. Big mistake. Then around 10 o'clock, they'll have a donut or a, or a muffin or something like that. And they might have a lunch. And by the time 3 o'clock comes around, you know, they'll have, they may have something else. But a lot of the stuff hasn't really reached and shut off the appetite all that well. By the time they get home for supper, they're very hungry and they overeat. And... There's an old saying, and it goes like this. In the morning, you eat like a king. At lunchtime, like a prince. And at supper time, a pauper. So your largest meal should really be the first meal of the day. That's the meal that will carry you through the whole day. Lunchtime will just kind of help it along. And then by the time that you have supper time, well, if you have a full meal before you go to bed, how well are you going to sleep? Because... Your body's resources are now determined to try and break that food down, absorb it, and deal with it. And the liver has to do all the dirty work. So you don't get a restful sleep. You really don't get a restful sleep. And of course, if it's really rumbling, for sure you'll be tossing and turning and bloating. And uh, And popping an antacid. Oh, and then popping antacids, which makes it only worse because they actually slow down. Or in the case of uh, the purple pill, Nexium, I think it is, isn't that the pill? And actually, that stops you from digesting altogether. I actually helped a medical doctor. He's a mutual friend of ours. You know, uh, Dr. T. He was on the purple pill. So I had a little talk with him, and he got off it and blessed us for it. listening to Health Empowerment News with Croft Woodruff. We'll see you next week.